This is the Reclaiming Families podcast. It is our goal to expose the lies that undermine, erode, and destroy the family while discovering and reclaiming God's design for gender, marriage, family, and sexuality. So join us for open conversation about the struggles and joys of reclaiming families. All right, welcome back to another episode of Reclaiming Families. We are excited you're here. We're glad that you're tuning in, listening, and uh, we really thank you for uh, checking us out. We'd encourage you to continue to check out our website and um, our social media. So we have Facebook and Instagram, and that's where we put all our updates of what's going on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we would invite you to like us and follow us. That's good. And you know what? Today we are wanting to introduce you to a special event. So you can find out more information about this event if you go to the events tab on reclaimingfamilies.org. But in order to kind of tell a little bit about this event, um, we have back from a few weeks ago, Emily King, a licensed marriage and family therapist working here in Knoxville at Longmeadow Counseling. And as she mentioned last time, Uh, she was with us. She has a big passion for teaching families how to openly communicate, have open conversations about sex and puberty. And so she's been doing these seminars in Knoxville uh, called the Birds and the Bees. And it is just that, how to have these conversations with your kids. And um, you can look forward to the event on our website that's going to be on, I think it's Saturday, November 13th. Or is it November 14th? Whatever that Saturday is, um, we're hoping to have an event with Emily. But this is just to kind of wet your whistle for what could happen in um, at that little event that we're going to have. So, Emily, welcome back to Reclaiming Families. Um, Thank you. It's yeah. good to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you back. But but tell us a little bit, what? how did you become interested in teaching other parents how to discuss sex and puberty with their kids? Yeah. Well, um, as a marriage and family therapist, I do talk a lot about, um, sex and, and parents. I have, I do have, uh, you know, a lot of my clients are parents and they'll, you know, say, Hey, what do I do about this? Or, you know, my child came to me and asked this question and then, but then really selfishly, I, have two children, 11 and seven. And, you know, as they are, they're in the, you know, thick of elementary school. And I kind of selfishly just wanted all of our, you know, community, church, friends, school friends, our community of people to all be on the same page. So we're not, they're not learning things that we would rather them not learn or, or be, we just want them to all all be on the you know the same track of, of learning. So, um, but really, I mean, I think it you know this desire to teach parents started you know when I was probably in graduate school about um, just this is not talking about puberty. Talking about our bodies is really good and healthy. Yeah. It's not shameful. It's not bad. So um, I just decided to dive right in. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. It's like, well, I needed to be sure that my kids weren't learning about sex from all these other people. So I had to, I got everybody together and taught them how to talk about it. Yeah. That's cool. 
So yeah, we I um, used the um, American Girl book, the Care and Keeping of You, uh-huh. when I talked to my daughter, and we walked through that together, and um, that you know gained that built my confidence in you know in like oh this is a lot this doesn't have to be scary it's not scary yeah so um that's kind of that was my experience so I've not talked to my son yet he's so eager to have this conversation but we're we're waiting a few more months for him so that's cool yeah so I mean you know, we, we've heard the birds and the bees from you, um, that seminar. Mm-hmm. Um, but you talked about how sex education kind of tends to come in two different packages. One is like faith-based or I guess in the sex ed world, they would call that risk reduction. And then one is health-based, which I guess they would call that risk reduction. Um, risk avoidance. Or yeah, risk avoidance. Yeah, faith-based is risk avoidance, health-based is risk reduction. Um, Mm -hmm. So can you explain that faith-based versus health-based take on Mm -hmm. sex ed to us a little bit? Yeah, Um, faith-based is going to be more where, you know, parents are teaching their kids to talk um, or talking to their kids more about from from a Christian biblical standpoint of, you know, sex is you know between husband and wife it's god's gift um you know only for marriage so it's going to be more like why you know why does god want us to wait until marriage and then the health um based is more you know teaching about you know only waiting until you're um in a loving adult relationship Mm -hmm. Um, talking more about maybe, you know, avoiding a pregnancy, avoiding um, any sexually transmitted infection or disease. Mm-hmm. Um, so just more of more of it from a physical um, protection standpoint, some emotional too, but the, the faith space is going to be, per, you know, why we're doing this from a, a spiritual and emotional That's standpoint. Good. That's mm-hmm. really good. So, or what, you were gonna say something? Well, yeah, I mean, I, um, yeah, I say I think that's probably when people think about sex, you know, education or your uh, sex talk at a church. You know, I really think it's mm-hmm. kind of been, you know, when done poorly, it's kind of the latter. It's like, hey, don't don't have sex because you'll get pregnant, and uh, mm-hmm. don't because you know if you're pregnant, you won't be able to be a missionary or you know or, or some kind of like, yeah. Um, and and I think that you know, like that, even though that is true, that is uh, a poor way of handling it. Yeah, it can be poor. It's just not the full picture. And right. uh, so I think it's I think it's okay to handle it that way because it's reality. But it's also it's not the full picture. And I think people get kind of beat up when they don't get the full picture. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think. And, mm-hmm. And, uh, we talked, uh, a little bit ago on a podcast episode about like the trauma, I guess that's like mm-hmm. people, other people are calling it purity culture trauma. That was not either of our experiences. And so, but it is just interesting to me how even from a Christian perspective, um, people can 
I guess like this message can, I guess, be traumatizing to people. And I guess I kind of use that word lightly Mm -hmm. because, you know, we could go back and listen to our other episode if people are interested in that. But in light of all of that, when it comes to, you know, taking responsibility to educate your own children about sex, you know, not Mm -hmm. leaving it to the youth group and not leaving it to the school system, how do you think that parents should be thinking about educating their kids about sex and puberty? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think it's, why would we not, you know, like why, I mean, it, it's our body mm-hmm. it, we can't avoid, we can't and shouldn't avoid like changes that are going to happen as you go from being a child to an adolescent to a, a full adult. I mean, you just, so I think it's you do your your children a, a total disservice if you avoid it, and it's not it's not shameful. Like my kids have no shame about their bodies because, well, especially when they were little, you know, they run around naked because they're they have that freedom, like they, they and that safety to do that. Well, and as they grow up, they learn about modesty, but they know that their body parts are their body parts. Like it's it's not anything to be embarrassed about, but, but then we talk about, you know, modesty and privacy, you know, for swimsuit areas, but, um, I don't, I feel like I'm getting off topic. I feel like I'm getting off the question, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, so it's, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, if they're going to pick up on our kids are going to pick up on our shame. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm not ashamed about my knees or my elbows, because they're my body parts and, you know, the kids are the same way and they're not, they're not, you know, they're not embarrassed about, you know, their penis or their vagina because it's a body part. There's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. And I remember you talking somewhat about or something, and this could come up later on, but just the whole um, thing about like kids, they don't have, there's nothing sexual for them about a penis or a vagina yet. And so as parents, we might have this like, Mm -hmm. I, you know, how do I handle this? But talk a little bit about just the difference and how a child thinks about that stuff versus how, you know, someone post puberty would Mm -hmm. think about that stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and when you go through puberty, I mean, your, your sex organs are developed. And so you, your hormones develop and your the hormones that are you know developing and coming to the forefront of our of our brains are are to help us recreate you know and so little kids really before the age of probably nine typically don't have that don't have those those hormones so they don't they're not they're literally not thinking Mm -hmm. in that in that way. Like they don't have the capability. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless of course, I don't want to leave out any sort of abusive or traumatic situation where right. they were forced into thinking of it in that way. But, you know, in a, in a healthy home there, there's no, they don't think of it in, in a sexual way. Cause they're pre, they're prepubescent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the time you're saying you start talking about sex before puberty, right? Sex and, mm-hmm. and puberty before puberty. Right, I think mm-hmm. you had a slogan. Yeah, I think we'll get to it later, but uh, I think it's around. It's it's after seven years old because you haven't talked to your son yet. Right? Eight is great. Yeah, eight. 
Eight nine is great. Is fine. Nine is fine. Ten is too late. Ten yeah. is too late. So. so that's why I say my son is so excited because he turns eight in November, and he's just like that. He can't wait to talk about puberty that's and so he, funny. you know, body hair and growth and all that thing. So, <laughs> that's cool. um, yeah. So that's why eight is a big deal in our in our house. But and that's when I, um, I think my daughter was probably eight and a half. When we, we talked about puberty first, and that was enough for her. And I think this is very individual for each, for each child, what they can, they can handle. So for her, we did the puberty talk. We talked about, you know, body hair, wearing deodorant, you know, all we talked, certainly talked about period. That was the majority of it for, for a girl. Um, and then, the, you know, probably about a year later, she was ready for the sex part of it yeah so so that's how we we broke it up and went into two parts like that but um with my son I don't know what he's gonna I'm just gonna kind of wait and see how it goes with him because yeah. he could want it all at once and I, I will be okay with that because you know when I do the the workshop about birds and the bees I talk about how parents are the experts yeah. and so you get to be in charge you get to lead the way yeah. So I'm just going to kind of wait and see um, how he handles the puberty part, and then we'll see where we go. Yeah. And yeah. I want to double click on that. You said parents are the experts. And mm-hmm. as a parent, like, you could really feel like, oh, my gosh, I am not the expert in this. So what does it look like to be the expert? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you've, you know, I'm – 28 or 29 or 30 years older than your child. So you've got that much more life experience than they do. And when you speak with confidence, even if you have to fake it, fake it until you make it confidence, you know, if you speak with, you know, gentleness and just the calm, calm authority, like I know this and I'm teaching this to you. You know, that, that makes you, they're going to be like, wow, you know a lot about babies and <laughs> our bodies. This is amazing. Yeah, talking about puberty. Um, it's almost yeah. like you've been through yeah. it before. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, so that's what I mean when you're the expert. Okay. So that, and I use that word to parents just to give them confidence because it's the truth. Yeah. So it's like parents just need to be comfortable they need to be calm and they need to be confident. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so one of the things when we took your class is like, okay, I've got my little girl or, you know, you're a little boy, you're, you're a little girl. And, and it's like, they're so innocent and I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to ruin their innocence, but yet, but I do want to, you talk about, I want to take away their ignorance and mm-hmm. you kind of did this play on ignorance versus innocence and, and I was wondering if you could maybe yeah. talk about that just, just real briefly, and and uh, kind of what's the what's the goal of parents? Yeah, well, and I will say I will put a disclaimer out that I did. Um, there's another online program called Birds and Bees, um, and there are two women who do this program. It's really really wonderful, and I, I mean, I I think that what they say is is great. So I, I do want to put a plug out for that because. Um, they talk about um, ignorance versus innocence. And um, 
how, you know, when you tell your daughter about a period or wearing a bra or what, you know, about sex, like it's just give it's giving them information. It's so they, when they, I talked a lot about, you know, being on the school bus because that's where so many kids hear things. Um, you know, so when they hear about it on the school bus, they don't feel ignorant. They don't feel dumb. They don't feel totally in the dark because yeah. when kids feel in the, in the dark, they may go straight to Google to look up a word that we don't want them to look up. Right. So, so when you're telling them like about sex or, you know, that you, that babies do, you know, breastfeed or whatever it is, you're giving, it's, you're empowering them and they're still innocent because they're still in that prepubescent brain. They still don't have those hormones that are making them think, you know, adult feelings or have adult feelings. And so, um, but you're just giving them information and taking away that kind of in the dark feeling. So the innocence is still there, but they're going to have the knowledge. That's good. Being quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, we're, we're about to say no, Okay. Um, I mean, kind of moving on from there, we've talked about the, say it one more time, eight is great, nine is fine, ten is too late. There you go. Yep. Um, you talk a lot about this conversation about puberty and, and sex being an ongoing process. And so, you know, an ongoing process... Really, I mean, gosh, it seems like it starts as early as when you're giving your kid a bath to an extent, and then you have these bigger conversations, and it, I can understand where it would feel overwhelming, and I mean, even just culturally, it's like, there are like these, oh, you're a little, like, you know, calling penises a pee-pee, or or something, I I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, just, there's so many different things that are norms and uh, people's homes, but what age just overall, how do you recommend starting these conversations? Um, you know, at what point do you recommend calling parts what they are? So I don't know. That was a lot in one. I guess my question is what age and how do you recommend talking to kids about sex and puberty, which we have Mm -hmm. kind of gotten into, but love to hear your thoughts a little more on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think when they're, you know, babies and toddlers, like, giving a bath or changing a diaper, you know, it's like if you're changing a diaper and you, you, you get the wipe out to clean them off. It's like, okay, I'm going to wash your, I'm going to wipe off your, um, your labia right now. Or, you know, I'm and you know, and you can even talk about, you know, the anus if you really wanted to, but you know, just like, just to normalize the correct anatomy. And so, you know, and then like, I think it's, I think when they're toddlers, it's perfectly fine to see to for the kids to see you change clothes, and like I'm gonna you know put this put this bra on now, and mommy's have to do this, and and just like talk, just like bringing them into your normal like getting ready, like watching them put deodorant or they watch you put deodorant on, and oh yeah, this smells good. Do you want to smell it? It helps me smell good throughout the day, and because I'm a grown up to get sweaty and. You know, and it's, or, you know, watching, um, little boys love to watch their dad shave, you know, and when you, when you go through puberty, puberty, you'll start getting, you know, hair on your face and, you know, when it gets to be kind of, 
you know, too much, then you'll get to use a razor and, you know, just like bringing them into what you're doing, which again, creates safety, um, creates confidence, um, reduces shame and starts making it a lot easier for you as parents, because you're not all of a sudden like, okay, I've got to sit you down with this huge textbook and we're going to go through it and you're going to learn all about the human body. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, it makes it easier and more gentle, I think, for everybody when you just, they just watch you live your life. Yeah. You know, you know, or, or when you do want privacy, telling them, telling the kids why you want privacy, yeah. you know, that's good. Like, I don't want you to see me change right now. I'd rather be alone. Uh, can I please have some privacy? You know, it's kind of um, funny. This this might be too much information for people, but we can edit it out if it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> our little girl, you know, is starting to put words to things, and ever like so. Whenever she sees either one of us shirtless, she's now going boo boo and so even with randy if he has his shirt off she's like pointing at his nipple saying boo boo and like trying to say (laughs) booby and randy has to be like no daddy doesn't have boobies (laughs) and you know but she's just trying to anything that looks like a nipple now is a boo Boo. it's funny it's actually humiliating a little bit (laughs) it's uh it is funny (laughs) but yeah i remember y'all in the class you talked about like oh just in telling uh, birth stories and with pregnant women and, and uh, you were kind of like, Mm -hmm. use the, use the right terminology in those areas too. And it's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, listen, instead of, you know, there's a a baby in in mama's tummy, you know, it's like, no, there's Mm -hmm. a baby in mama's uterus. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and and so, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess I was just going to see if you could talk a little bit more about, like that normalizing the birth process. Normalizing yeah. the birth process. What's that like? And uh, and teaching mm-hmm. your children about, uh, yeah, sex and reproduction. Like mm-hmm. almost how does the birthing process affect how they learn about sex? Is that what you're saying? Right. Okay. Yep. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we, in the, in the class I talked about, you know, just about reproduction and, and conception, just every living thing has, you know, been created inside the female and has, you know, come out of the female, out of the uterus for, I guess, all mammals. But um, it just, you know, you can start it early if you have pets. You know, um, again, the birds and the other, the birds and bees, I don't think they have a V in their title, but birds, birds and bees, they talk about, like, they, their example is looking at vegetables, like cutting vegetables at the kitchen, and you see the seed, and they're, and you're just like, new life comes from a seed, and just, you know, starting it from, from that way, and then it's, you know, when you do have, you know, Get, I mean, because as much as I don't want to have the talk, you know, it's still like there is a moment where you have to say, <laughs> you know, the sperm meets the egg. I mean, there's going to be that, that that discussion. But, you know, being able to say that and that's how the baby is, is created. And because those two, you know, the sperm and the egg come together and create create a life. And then it grows for nine months. And so I think it's just, um, you know, as, especially if you have you know, an older child and then they are probably gonna have a leg up on, you know, sex ed because you can talk 
talk them through the second pregnancy. Yeah. Um, you know, about, you know, how they've got in there, how it's going to come out. Then with it, you know, if it's breast, you know, if the baby's breastfeeding and, and, you know, things like that. So, um, again, I think it's a conversation that you can have early on because, you know, if you're, you know, if you're in the, in the stage of life where, you know, lots of, you know, people at church are pregnant or having babies or friends are pregnant, having babies, like you can say like, yeah, um, you know, so-and-so is going to have a baby. Isn't that great? And then you, you can, they may ask the kid, the child may ask, how does the baby get in there? And then that's like, you're, you're open to talk about it. Or if they're old enough and you need to start that conversation, you can say, do you wonder how that baby got in there? And if they're like, no, well, okay, well, maybe wait. Maybe that's okay. You know, you don't want to force anything, but it's maybe there's a time where it's like, yeah, they're, they're nine and they, we need to get the shell on the road, you know? Yeah. My mom always um, talks about when I'm, I have an older brother. She always talks about when he was so concerned about how I was going to get out of my mom's belly. So when my mom told him, she said that, he went around just greeting people like Hillary's gonna come out of mommy's from come out of mommy from her vagina, like trying to <laughs> explain it to everybody. My mom's like, oh goodness, great. yeah, um, yeah, that's great. So he couldn't even say vagina. He was just like from the vagina, from the vagina. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and you know one thing that kind of made me excited as you were talking about the birthing process is one family kind of rhythm that we want to do and celebrating. We have videos from a lot of our special days. Like on our anniversary, we watch our anniversary video or our wedding video. And Ellie's only had one birthday. But we wa- we have a video that has different parts of, like we I had to be induced a little bit early. But we have like the process of, oh man, we're about to go in and be induced. We have like the updates mm-hmm. throughout the the time that I was in labor and then we have a Mm -hmm. like I think hopefully I hope Ellie loves it but it's like one of the sweetest videos to me of course but of when she actually came out and her first cry and getting to hold her up against Uh my chest and so um I think it'll be sweet to be able to share that with her we watched it on her birthday and it was just like it was like so sweet reliving it like being in the moment there were parts of me parts of it where I was like oh that makes me nauseous to think about how much pain I was in right there (laughs) yeah Um, yeah but then there were also parts where it was just like oh I still remember you know what it was like to hear that sweet little cry and look down and see her for the first time and so it'll be sweet to be able to share that with her as she's growing up I can't wait when yeah. she's oh, absolutely. 10, all her friends are here. We're like, hey, look up at the screen, everybody. <laughs> Let's sing happy birthday to Ellie. <laughs> yeah. Other parents are like, you're never going to the Littles house again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't do that. But, but yeah. yeah, just normalizing the birth process is good to have those ongoing conversations you know, when you see puppies be born. But then you talked a lot about the bigger conversation. So, you know, the period talk and like the sex talk. But, or maybe you said don't have a big the talk. What did you say about mm-hmm. that? So, how do you get into those? Like, okay, now you need to know the logistics of it. So, mm-hmm. my question is what needs to be shared? And then how do you go about that? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, you're going to get a read on your child, what they can 
a handle what they want. Some, some kids are going to be way more curious and inquisitive than others. Um, but I think that, um, uh, sorry, got to take questions. Um, somebody's coming over. Um, they, um, like, so I knew it needed to be, I knew it needed to happen with Madeline, my daughter. So I, we sat down, I had the book, the American girl book, and I made it a point to like go somewhere special for her away from the house, away from little brother and sit down and, um, and talk about it. And so that, that was, it's like all this build up, build up, build up. So it's not like completely shocking and I'm not, you know, giving words that are completely foreign to her, but, um, there was a moment where I'm like, okay, this is important and you need to know like about the period and this is why it happens. It's how it happens. Here's the details. And the same for sex, you know, cause she, at that point in my, you know, this is of course our family story, but you know, she had heard the word sex. I think she had heard the word sexy as like a description about a, a couple of things in the past. And just, she knew it was something bigger than, her she knew it was something that I was going to need to tell her and um so she so it was kind of pointed like okay I'm going to sit down and have this conversation but you know keeping that door open after the one big conversation of um you know do you have any questions um has anybody you know has anybody brought up anything to your attention or said anything in class or you know playground or you know just kind of keeping that ongoing that's um is, is really important. So you don't want to like drop this huge bomb on them with all this nitty gritty information and then just not talk about it again. That's good. You want to keep it going, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then gosh, this is kind of changing a little bit to probably go, make some parents a little bit even more uncomfortable, but how do you recommend having conversations about sexual sin with your kids? So, um, I don't know. Pornography, premarital sex, lust. Yeah, mm-hmm. How do you go about that? Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, porn, pornography is, I think, as soon as kids can start using a device, they need to know, like, these, these, this is how we need to be careful. This is the, this pornography means is bad pictures and inappropriate pictures that you don't need to see. I don't even want to see, you know, I think it's fine just to give them like a straightforward definition and, you know, how to avoid it. You know, don't, don't Google certain things. Ask me instead. I, I will tell you, or I will help you. And, um, you know, sexual sin, it's like, well, if, you know, talking about it throughout their childhood of, you know, this is, it's between a man and a woman, um, who, who are married and this is, you know, God created this for a husband and wife to have a baby. And, um, you know, then it's like just working in like, well, God has asked us to wait till marriage and, you know, those kinds of things. And so it's like, you know, when they start dating, you know, to hold them accountable of, um, you know, and it, but the whole goal is like you're being proactive throughout their childhood rather than just being reactive. Mm. If they do, you know, go too far or with a boyfriend or if they do have sex or whatever, it's like not like immediate punishment, but it's like, 
not that immediate reaction, but it's your, hopefully the goal is to like build up and not be proactive. So when they, if, if, and slash when they do make that decision, it's going to be more between them and the ward, yeah. you know, than like you punishing them because they're probably going to feel shameful anyway. Yeah. And so it really sounds like even in the area of like, if you're talking about marriages between a man and a woman, then that's kind of covering even like homosexual marriage. And they're used to hearing that there you've set an environment to where they can openly ask you questions. If you're Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, if you're talking about the, um, you said like the bathing, like the, the parts under your bathing suits as being private parts. Then when they see Mm -hmm. that in a picture, they kind of have a red flag there. So it really does sound like Mm -hmm. even addressing sexual sin in the teenage years, starts kind of in the toddler years mm-hmm. yeah because you're building that foundation yeah that's big um yeah it's good yeah then so here's my 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 last well it's not my last question but it's my last question before kind of like a wrap-up question for you is uh-huh. addressing gender so especially nowadays when boys can be girls and girls can be boys, they, they can't be, but they're, or they cannot be, but they're being told that they can be. Um, how do you, how do you suggest parents go about addressing gender with mm-hmm. their children? Yeah. Um, it's going to come up, you know, in elementary school, it's going to come up there. I mean, I know that there's like, there's going to be TV shows where there's, you know, two moms, that kind of thing. And so I think it's just like saying, you know, saying like, Hey, what did you think about that? What questions do you have about, about that person that you saw or, you know, that, or that couple that you saw together and, um, you know, and just, yeah, it's hard to, it's one of those things like you absolutely can't sit down and say like, Hey, some people are born a boy, but then they decide they want to be a girl. You can't sit down. If that's the world, if you're in public school, if you're in maybe a larger setting, larger city, like you can absolutely sit down and have that, that, you know, more forthright conversation. Mm -hmm. But in our, in our personal life, in our world, like it's more about like what we've seen on TV, you know, a clip of something or, you know, watching the Olympics, there's, you know, um, commercials and stuff that have come up and, you know, you just, you just see things, you know, you can't avoid it all, even if you want to, but, you know, so it's just addressing it and not shying away from, Oh, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look. And they're like, what, what am I, what can I not see? And it's just like, okay, I'd like for you to turn your eyes away. There's, you know, a couple, you know, there's two women kissing or, this is going to make you feel uncomfortable. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. So turn away or, you know, and it's, so it's just, again, just starting that early. I mean, I know when my daughter was in kindergarten is when um, the Supreme court ruling was for, came down for, you know, legalizing same sex marriage. And mm-hmm. so that she had questions about that because of being at school. Yeah. So, but because of the, the, 
foundation that she had, like she was able to come to me and ask about that. So again, starting in the toddler years. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's really good. Be proactive in those toddler years. Like don't take advantage of them. Like you you need them. They're crucial. It sounds like it's all about being proactive instead of reactive. I mean, it's react. Like it's like if you pass, you know, an obvious male dressed like a female instead of just hoping that they didn't see it or hoping they're going to ask about it. It's like being proactive to say, Oh, did you notice that? It was a little strange. Let's talk about why that was strange. Exactly. And so that's exactly. good. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just imagine some of those conversations that I'm sure they're, yeah, always tricky, but always good to have. Yeah. <laughs> We haven't yeah. had any of those yeah, yet. We haven't, we haven't had them yet, but yeah. but we've named um, you know just in kind of in closing. I uh, we named a lot of resources. You talked about uh, uh, the care and keeping of you was a book mm-hmm. that you and your daughter went through. Uh, the birds mm-hmm. and the bees was an online program. Uh, what are mm-hmm. some other resources that uh, you know or books you recommend? Yeah, parents, for parents? Um, there's the kind of counterpart to the care and keeping of you is um guy stuff and it's the same publisher as the american girl book um and then i got that one for my son i'm keeping it in my office because i don't trust him to not try to look through it prematurely um and then good pictures bad pictures about pornography is that, um, and that's the book you were talking about, or just kind of like mm-hmm. that differentiates like this is a person and it's, you know, a sweet picture and this is what the kind. So, yes. and I guess the goal of that would be to where there's not like a shame about it. So they feel comfortable to tell you what they've seen. Is that, I guess that would be the goal yes. of that? Yes. Again, being proactive. Yeah. That's good. On, on that. Um, let's see. So, and that's really all. I'm not a huge book resource person because I want parents to really trust themselves. That's good. Um, and because I don't want you to get overwhelmed and inundated with too much information when it, it's really pretty, hopefully pretty simple. Yeah. That's good. But then those are really good, um, good resources and that we've, we've either used or plan to use. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as we wrap up, is there anything that you feel like, oh, we, I would like to mention this, just any last little golden nuggets for us? Um, gosh, I don't know. I could talk about this stuff for days. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I think, you know, when parents are, are comfortable, confident, they're, you're going to be fine. That's good. You know, and not being and not being scared of it. I'm honestly at this point, I'm more scared of what my kids will learn from a person that I don't trust or don't know mm, than yeah. what they'll learn from me. That's good. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, just a reminder that you can go to reclaimingfamilies.org under the events tab and register for um, an event with Emily. You know, you got a 35 minute preview of what could certainly be unpacked more and more and more so if you are interested which if you're a parent 
I would, I, I'm going to assume that you are interested in learning and talking more about it. It's such a needed thing. So go to reclaimingfamilies.org, hit resources, events, and register for the mm-hmm. seminar led up by Emily, November 13th. And we hope to see you there. So Emily, it was so great to have you with us again. Thank you so much. It was fun. Yeah. Take care. Thank you for listening to Reclaiming Families. Check us out at reclaimingfamilies.org where you can find our latest podcasts, blogs, news, and events. We look forward to seeing you all next time.